You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the kitchen studio, as always, is my trusty co-host, Simon Walthorton. How are you, sir? Simon? How are you getting on? Yes, uh, not too bad. Uh, it's a nice uh, morning as so I look out the window here. Um, it was clear skies earlier, but it's a little bit of a light puffy cloud out there, but it's one plane just flew over earlier, didn't it? Little. Yeah, we had a few light aircraft flying over uh, over the house um, this afternoon. That's uh, twenty past eleven in the morning uh, on the the first of February. Yeah, first of February. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little bit um, windy outside the last few days, so uh, maybe some good crosswind landings, uh, some airports uh, about today. So yeah, we've, we have had some good. We had some quite high winds last night, actually, didn't we? Then? Yes, uh, and heavy rain. Heavy rain. We did have some uh, quite heavy rain. Which was um, well, not so good because the rivers around here are uh, fit to burst as it is. Yes, um, I feel a little bit sorry for the people in Somerset whose uh, home's been underwater for quite some time now. So, uh, but they've got the army involved now. So, uh, hopefully, things should get better and the rain easing off and abate. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see a turn in the weather now and perhaps. Uh, um, some slightly warmer weather, yeah. although we haven't had any snow yet. Yes, I, I will say we've we've had absolutely no snow whatsoever. It's uh, been an extraordinary year for weather, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a, a complete contrast from uh, last year, I think, because uh, we did we did get snow last year, didn't we? But yes, that, although it was a bit later on in the year. Yes, but, um, yeah, but it's still possible to get some, so we've still got a few months to go yet. Yeah, yeah, I have to say we did have a fire lit last night. Yeah. yeah, we had a lovely open fire. Can't beat fire. an open fire, and that's yeah. something I miss and I would like. <laughs> yeah, we had a had a really nice open fire last night and uh, a few bottles of the um, of beer, of yeah. ale, went down really well. Yes, yes so uh, we are here, of course, to uh, bring you episode number 10. Uh, we've reached number 10, Simon. Yeah, in double we're, figures in now. double figures now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'd uh, like to just say thanks again, to, uh, quickly to all our listeners who have been listening to our podcast since we started. And uh, we're apparently, according to uh, to the uh, um, server we use, we're, we're being or downloaded in 29 different countries, Simon. That is Global. That's all I can say. I know. (laughs) It's global. We didn't think we'd get out of the UK. No. We've got off to a flying start. We have, yes. Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun, yeah. But yes, uh, we're really happy with how things um, are progressing with the podcast. uh, Yeah, thanks for all the uh, guys and girls out there who are listening to us each week. Yes, and uh, as we uh, do head into 2014, it's going to get a lot busier. Um, We've been discussing about possibly getting an outside broadcast unit so we can uh, yeah, we do, have, yeah. do some um, recordings uh, to certain people uh, we meet out at air shows. So that should be uh, interesting and uh, we'll keep you updated on that as uh, we uh, head into the air show season. So something yeah. to look forward to. Simon's got some uh, some air show news later on in the show. He's, gonna, he's got some dates and um, various uh, bits and pieces that are... Have been confirmed at various air shows uh, over the coming uh, coming year, so that's going to be great. Yes, and um, I think uh, as as I said in a previous podcast, as we sort of get and head towards the uh, air show season, it is going to start picking up and getting busier. Obviously, air show um, dates 
confirmed and aircraft are being added each week. So we'll get a talk more about that later. Yes. So we're going to start the show as we always do each week uh, with the last week's news uh, from around uh, around the UK and a bit of around the world as well. So if you're ready, Simon, we'll start with the news. Let's fly. Let's fly. Well, the first bit of news then that we've got uh, for this week is from the Scotsman uh, website, newspaper website. This is uh, pilots demanding to know why helicopters fall from the sky. Um, this one's regarding uh, the crashes that have happened um, sort of over the last few months of, um, of he- uh, helicopters in the North Sea. Uh, leaders of Britain's offshore and pilots' unions yesterday called for a judicial review to discover why helicopters keep falling out of the sky in the UK sector of the North Sea. MPs on Westminster's powerful Transport Select Committee heard concerns about the safety of offshore flights in Britain's oil and gas industry and heightened as a result of the Super Puma crash off the Shetland uh, in August last year in which four oil workers were killed, that being the fifth incident involving helicopters in the British sector over four years. So, uh, Yes, uh, we did discuss this in a previous podcast, didn't we, the sort of safety of helicopters, and that there's been uh, quite a lot of recent uh, accidents regarding them. And if you get a catastrophic uh, gearbox failure on a helicopter, you uh, there's nothing you can do. It'll just fall out of the sky because there's no control over the aircraft. If that's the main rotor, or even the tail rotor. Um, so it is quite a concern, but there has been uh, a lot recently. Yeah, I know this, the uh, safety, they take the obviously the safety very seriously. I mean, the, uh, the helicopters are, uh, have got flotation units on board, and, yes. and the, guys, the, pack, the, the guys who fly out in the helicopters are trained to uh, quite a high standard in um, training centres around the UK before they're allowed to, to uh, fly offshore. Yes, and obviously uh, when they ferry uh, the uh, people to the oil rigs, they do have the uh, complete survival uh, kit on to sort of protect them if the aircraft does uh, come out of the sky and uh, land on water, because it's pretty cold in that North Sea uh, any time of the year, especially this time. So uh, having that uh, survival suit on does help them... Uh, to sort of uh, survive a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I, many, many years ago when I was at uh, school, I uh, don't know whether they have um, work experience uh, time now at school. I suppose they probably probably still do. Yes, yeah. Um, I'd done a couple of weeks' work experience at uh, a place not far from us here at Ella in Beckles, at, uh, which was then British International Helicopters, yes. BIH. yes. Uh, I think they they got taken over by Bristow. I think yes, in the end. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I spent two <coughs> weeks there um, as a teen as a teenager before I left school, and uh, had uh, a few flights on the sixty one Shikorsky sixty one yes. and the seventy six, <coughs> and uh, I can remember very well um, having the the suit on yes. um, with all the uh, flotation suit and stuff on, and. Um, 
Uh, that was that was really good. I enjoyed that thoroughly. But yes. for someone who likes aviation and stuff like me, that was um, yes. a really good experience. Did you uh, get a chance to fly on the Wessex? Because that was uh, no. based at uh, Beckles. No, and, not, um, I didn't the Wessex, no. That's and, just a 61. Uh, North Dean's at Great Yarmouth. Yeah, the North Dean's one's still going at Great yes, Yarmouth. Yes, at the moment. Yeah. But I think um, the majority of that will be transferred to Norwich uh, in the not-too-distant future, which is a shame because uh, that North Dean's is a lovely... Uh, sort of area and uh, for the aircraft and uh, was quite uh, busy in the 1970s and 80s so mm. and uh, my uh, father he did actually uh, fly from there quite uh, regular uh, out to the North Sea so yeah that was uh, all the Wessex that coming over and the Sikorskis and the Sea Kings uh, that used to fly so that was mm. that was a nice sight but you don't um, see them fly over now because Not obviously so often, no, yeah. uh, Beckles has closed and it's been transferred yeah. to Norwich uh, Airport yeah that's it um, so it says here in the in the uh, news report then that uh, Captain Milne pressed uh, the case for a judicial review into offshore helicopter safety to examine the amount of control exercised by oil companies on helicopters flights and the role of the Civil Aviation Authority in, in policing offshore safety in the aviation sector. He told MPs what pilots want is that they operate at a high minimum level and that can only be enforced by the CAA as the regulator. We want an independent and strong and well-resourced regulator. So uh, let's hope then that um, we don't have any more incidents this year, Simon. Yes, yes, because uh, we've, we've had uh, quite a few uh, helicopter incidents. Uh, there was the uh, police helicopter, which uh, unfortunately and tragically uh, killed uh, quite a few people that landed um, in the centre of Glasgow, yeah, and then also uh, the uh, Pave Hawk helicopter, which was uh, Clay, just recently, yeah, um, which was uh, not too far away from here. Yeah. So moving on, next piece of news then from the Daily Echo <coughs> uh, online newspaper. This one is uh, regarding Bournemouth Airport, and uh, fire crews were sent to Bournemouth Airport after a plane reported an unstable undercarriage. Uh, Emergency crews were scrambled to Bournemouth International Airport after a plane reported having an unstable undercarriage as it came into land. Two crews from the Christchurch fire station were sent to the airport to stand by in case the Beach 76 (coughs) aircraft ran into difficulties. But the aircraft did land safely and a spokesman for the the airport said that uh, it turned out there was no problem with the plane's landing gear in the end and emergency teams were stood down. Yes. So a good outcome for that one then, Simon. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. That's, <laughs> that's all that tea you're drinking, Simon. Yeah. That's it. So next piece of news then, Travel Weekly. This one uh, is regarding um, our friends across the pond there. Uh, American Airlines profits climb after merger. Uh, this one says uh, it's American Airlines saw net profits climb for 2013 on the back of its merger with US Airways. The American Airlines Group combined net profit was $1.9 billion, up from $407 million in 2012, excluding special charges. Profit for the fourth quarter of last year came in at $436 million, against a loss of $42 million in the same final three months of 2012. The American Airlines Group was born last month after American Airlines exited bankruptcy and merged with U.S. Airways. Group Chief Executive Doug Parker said the early returns on our merger are very positive. Our teams are working well together and our customers are already beginning to see the benefits of our combined network. We have much work ahead but believe we are on our way to restoring an American as the greatest airline in the world. 
Yes, uh, looking at this, um, that seems a way to uh, have sort of airline companies survive. I think they uh, do a lot of mergers because uh, United, if I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, they've um, merged with uh, Continental. So uh, there's one or two airlines that do merge, but it's on a good thing. Uh, if they merge with another firm and uh, they can cut their losses and uh, share, obviously, uh, code share and uh, share airports, uh, landing slots and everything, that uh, must be a saving. So, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, even the uh, the flight that we had uh, to Dubai with Emirates um, a few weeks ago, um, that was a code share flight. Uh, when we checked in at Heathrow, that was uh, EK008, but it also code-shared with Qantas. Yes. Uh, and that was also uh, shown as QF, I forget what the flight number was now, it was QF034, um, something along those lines, yeah. but, uh, which was, it kind of sort of spun me out at first, seeing the, uh, the, the board, the information board, change from EK to a QF. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, I've uh, been in America... And the code share has about three or four different code shares on one flight. So, obviously, if it's a Star Alliance or something else, um, that is quite frequent. But that is becoming uh, more of the norm now, now, a lot of code shares and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Next piece of news, and from the Travel Mall website, this one. Uh, transatlantic flights cancel as winter storm spreads south. Uh, this one is um, regarding the severe weather in the United States, which has caused further st- uh, disruption to flights uh, from the UK, with several services grounded. Um, British Airways has cancelled uh, a flight from Heathrow to Chicago, and Virgin as well also cancelled a flight from Heathrow um, to the States as well. Um, several other flights to the US have also been disrupted and US airlines have been forced to ground at least 3,200 services due to freezing rain and snow across the deep south so although we we did joke in a previous podcast about how the snow would affect the UK it it does, you know, when it is bad it yeah. is bad and it, yes. will, it will affect every, every country Yeah, um, but <laughs> looking at this Florida braced for snow as well and... Uh uh, New Orleans uh, been there many years ago um, and that's quite far south and uh, that's normally quite a warm area isn't it mm, yes yeah that's uh, sort of freak weather but yes. I mean like I said when they do get the sort of weather like that they do really get the bad weather like yeah. you know, the and, snow and the freezing rain that is quite a concern um, to any part of an aircraft whether it be the engines the tail the fins anywhere the undercarriage Freezing rain is not good for an aircraft. So uh, no, that was um, that was one of the things that brought down the uh, Air Florida, if you remember. Yes, uh, many years ago, the, um, the the Air Florida one that uh, crashed into uh, the uh, was it the I'm trying to think of the river it was now. That was just quickly not the Everglades, was it? No, no, no. That was uh, it crashed into. The Potomac River, that's yep. it, that's the one. That was uh, 737-200, that was in 1982. Yeah, so and, I've uh, uh, watched that on um, YouTube, that's quite uh, disturbing uh, to watch because uh, they're rescuing people out of a fro- frozen uh, river, and uh, it's quite disturbing, but it's there to watch if you uh, care to watch it, but i just warn you now, that it's quite sort of uh, scary because they're dragging people alive from a freezing uh, river and uh, aircraft, so. But that was attributed to uh, frozen, uh, frozen um, wings and uh, ice spilled up on the wings yeah. and stuff. Because um, 
all aircraft in cold weather, they are uh, waxed before uh, takeoff uh, to protect them against severe um, icing on the wings and the rest of the aircraft. So they do uh, take this into consideration. So next piece of news then from Travel Weekly. Um, this one uh, I picked for the news feed this week because this uh, applies really to you, Simon, yes. as, uh, as you've got uh, family. Yes. Um, this one is uh, from a chap here, uh, here in the UK who's put a massive Facebook rant out over the extremely high prices of holidays um, in the school holiday um, particular time of the year. Um, those of you who are listening who who have children um, and who live in the UK and if this happens in the States you'll have to let us know send us an email and let us know if this is the same in the States but over here in the UK when uh, the children are on whole school holiday um, the price of holidays and flights and, and for families just go through the roof um, and the chap here on Facebook uh, started a, uh, a a facebook page up um um regarding the prices of holiday you know, holidays in the school times and uh, over 143,000 people have shared the site so far on facebook and supporters also began signing an online petition calling for a government action and that's now gone beyond the 100,000 signatures needed for a possible debate in parliament um uh, Paul Cookson's initial post entitled School Holiday Rant asks why parents should be penalised for doing the right thing by not taking their children away during term time. It came about after he tried to book a holiday with his daughter and uh, obviously the price was um, was just ridiculous. So for you, Simon, is this an issue for you? I yes, uh, um, I've had this uh, in past experiences um, over the last uh, few years, uh, not as of recent, but... Um, I totally agree with this because I've booked flights to the US and uh, been on holidays and it is totally and utterly ridiculous and uh, I will sign any of these sites because um, there's one popped up in our local area that's been on the news last night, um, BBC Look East. But um, regarding this, one week uh, we looked at uh, flights uh, to the US outside of half term and the flights were around about four, four, I think about 429 each. Then we looked at the following week, and they were just under a thousand. And how they can justify that in a half-term holiday, and you've got a family, I just do not know. It's just a racket, and I, they're just making money. And it's, it's not. It's, it's actually the same um, on flights, on hotels in this country, and uh, days out, and you go anywhere. So any time mm. in that uh, six-week school holiday period, everywhere you go, the price easily doubles if not more and uh to for that to happen and also you can't take your children out of school uh, without being fined now fined yeah they do fine you um we had a letter uh, from our school so that is um you do actually get fined unless you've got a really good excuse so well the the good excuse is that it uh you're going (laughs) to save yourself uh, hundreds of pounds if by not take. a few thousand you know. <laughs> exactly it says here that uh, a mother of uh, two Donna Thresher from Essex set up the petition last year um, um, which after being outraged at the £600 difference in the cost of taking her family away for a weekend during the uh, school holidays 
She thought the petition, which calls for a cap on percentage price rises in the school holidays, was dead in the water until Cookson's Facebook post ignited interest in it. Um, the ideal is for, hol- uh, for work with the holiday companies um, to directly advise them on the business of reduced price holidays in these set times. You, you'd think that the holiday companies would, would sort of cotton on to the fact that if they did have some sort of reduced um, price holidays during the, the um, time when the children are off, that more families would book a what, book a holiday to go abroad, yes. which would mean more business for the holiday companies. Yes. Yeah. So outpricing themselves so no one can afford to take their children away, they're kind of uh, not doing themselves any favours. No, they're not. And uh, times are fairly hard for a lot of uh, families uh, at the, the last few years. And this uh, Donna Thresher from Essex, this is the one who was on the TV last night. And uh, she has a Facebook page set up and the petitions have gone through the roof now uh, for people signing this because I think it's going to be taken to Parliament and they're going to be getting involved in this because there's no sign of this abating or anything. So this no. is... I think it's about time something was something was done. You can't, you can't, can't go on uh, ripping people off um, just to go on holiday or to any hotel anywhere whether uh be in the uk or abroad and uh same for the flights so it's just totally outrageous how they can justify doubling or even trebling sometimes the price a week later is mm. just outrageous it makes uh, makes me not want to have children <laughs> for fear of uh for fear of having to pay through the nose yes, for a but holiday that, the thing of it is if you do fly you have got to fly outside of all the school times um, you want to go on holiday. So that is quite awkward, isn't it? Yeah, I must admit, when we when we book to go away, we do try and time it when when the children are at school, just so we get uh, a, a quieter, quieter holiday, quieter holiday experience. But uh, no, let's, let's hope something gets done about this, because like we said, it, it's, it is ridiculous. There's no need to charge more money um, just because the children are off school. Um it's, it's uh, just ridiculous. So bear that in mind if you're a uh, holiday tour operator listening to the show. You need to uh, need to adjust your prices a bit there. Right, so next piece of news from the Bloomberg Luxury website. This one um, is regarding Dubai Airport. And uh, Dubai has uh, Heathrow in its sights um, after eclipsing Paris. Dubai International Airport attracted more passengers than Charles de Gaulle and Frankfurt last year as Gulf carriers bleed long-haul transfer traffic away from Europe's leading hubs. The airport home base of Emirates, the biggest airline by international traffic, lifted customer numbers to 66.4 million from 57.7 million a year earlier. The 15% gain took Dubai past European number two, Charles de Gaulle, which attracted 62 million passengers, and the number three, Frankfurt, with 58 million. A similar growth rate at Dubai in 2014 would allow the hub to surpass London Heathrow, which, while growing passenger numbers uh, at 3.4% to 72.3 million last year, is already operating close to the limits of its two runways. Uh, runways. The Gulf Hub is being expanded to serve 90 million travellers annually, even as Dubai builds the new Al Maktoum base, designed to handle 150 million people and with potential capacity for 200 billion. 
So, Simon, you need to go to Dubai Airport because it is a fantastic yes, airport. Yes, and uh, I would imagine it's lovely and clean and tidy. And, yes, uh, oh yes. But uh, we shall have to, we'll have to keep our eyes on that one. That yes. Dubai could end up being uh, one of the largest, uh, well, the largest hubs in the world, yes. largest airports. They the are quite a big uh, carrier of all the uh, A380s, aren't they? Yeah, there's quite a yeah, lot they, of them they out there. Got, yeah, there is a lot of 380 traffic there, and 777 as well. Yes, yeah. and the 330s as well. Yeah, the 777 is another one of my favourite aircraft. I love that aircraft. Yes, that is one of my favourites as well. I must admit, Simon, the 777. So, next piece of news from our local newspaper, yes, the yeah. EDP24. Yes. Um, it's also regarding our local airport, Norwich Airport. And uh, they've had a, uh, uh, a new piece of vital equipment um, donated to them um, for their rapid response vehicle. And the new addition outside the East Anglian Air Ambulance's hangar at Norwich means that the emergency medical team can conveniently transfer vital equipment to the awaiting uh, rapid response vehicle, saving valuable time. Prior to the installation of the platform, critical care paramedics and doctors were unable to lay equipment on the ground while loading or unloading the rapid response vehicle due to the risk of contamination. Materials donated for the platform by timber merchants Ridgens included uh, 10 60 by 60 centimetre concrete paving slabs, three quarters of a tonne of building sand and six bags of cement and one small bag of gravel. Local builder Simon Youngman along with two volunteers donated their time to lay the platform. And Tim Wigby, Norwich branch manager for Ridgen, said, We were only too pleased to help and be able to help, and we look forward to assisting the East Anglian Air Ambulance efforts further this year with a variety of fundraising events at our branch. The East Anglian Air Ambulance has been selected as Ridgen's chosen charity for 2014. This is the second year running, and through a variety of activities and events across the region, Employees are hoping to match the amount which they achieved last year. So operating 365 days a year, uh, the um, Helicopter Emergency Medical Service, the East Anglian Air Ambulance has two helicopters based at Norwich and a second based in Cambridge. The East Anglian Air Ambulance flies four or five missions a day, responding to a number of different emergency situations to provide a service to rural areas of the country. Each mission flown costs about £2,270, so maintaining the annual fundraising target of £7.6 million is crucial in continuing to help save lives. Yeah, that is uh, really good of uh, Ridgens uh, to donate, because um, this air ambulance, as we said, uh, to keep these hel- helicopters flying is quite a lot of um, money and uh, quite a lot of uh, time so yeah it's a good idea that is good I must admit I've done uh, some charity work later um, last year in uh, November last year I think it was for the air ambulance yeah. we raised some money um, at, uh, when I put a karaoke on at one of the local <coughs> pubs yes and that is the air ambulance is one of those charities which I, I will never um, not want to donate money yes. to I think they they do a fantastic job and yes. you know you'd never know yeah. when you might need them yeah, that's right and um, quite frequently you do see them flittering about the skies uh, over here uh, which is their uh, patch anyway um, but it's a nice I've always said a nice sight it's nice to see it flying about but when you uh, do see it flying about you know it's um, busy uh, out um, helping someone helping someone yeah. taking care of them looking after them and getting them to the hospital as quickly as possible in sort of uh, awkward situations uh, where um, it can be quicker by air than by road 
and easier by air. Yes, definitely, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're living out in the middle of nowhere in the uh, countryside. Yes, definitely. So next piece of news then uh, from the BBC. Uh, this one is regarding Southend Airport's new £10 million extension, which has been unveiled. Another extension has been unveiled at Southend's airport, creating more room for larger aircraft and a bigger departures area for passengers. Uh, in time, managers say the £10 million extension will mean 300 extra jobs. And uh, London Southend Airport has been rated the best in the UK. So you you had you had a bit more extra news on South End, and you've yes, seen, you've seen yes, uh, I've uh, seen it, and um, how uh, quickly the turnaround they've done this. I think it's part of the Stobart Group now, um, which have taken this over. But um, it looks from uh, when I saw the news the other night, it looks really interesting, and um, to see their turnaround, they've got a brand new terminal and everything, and it's being upgraded, and their flight numbers were. Years ago, used to be quite high. Then they dropped off in about 2011, 2012. But they've turned it around, and it's just hovering um, under 750,000 uh, passengers a year. So that is some turnaround, and it's um, got a lot of EasyJet flights and uh, Ryanair as well, and Flybe. So it's getting quite popular, and I think uh, that's only a good thing for the area. So yeah, Flybe have launched. Um a service just recently from South End to Newquay, yes, um, which was launched just just recently, and also Aer Lingus as well. Aer Lingus Regional has celebrated a hundred thousand passengers on the London South End to Dublin route, um, which is good news as well, isn't it for um, for South End? And they're also on their on the on the South End Airport website. They've just said that uh, a recent uh, news report said that they've enjoyed their busiest ever year. Yes. In 2013. Yes. And look forward to 2014. Yes, well, it's only going to get uh, busier. But um, the good thing about it is when you get off the train, you can actually just, at the uh, obviously, you get off the train, you can just walk to the uh, terminal, which is so easy, and you've got uh, London, or you can go to South End uh, on the train. So that is ideal, isn't it? Yeah. I've never flown from South End. No. Never flown from but South End. But that could be a possibility in the future. Yes. <laughs> That's another one we've got to visit, Simon. So next piece of news, again from the BBC, this one is uh, from Boeing, uh, quite a new piece of news, this one as well, this is a couple of days. Uh, Boeing's fourth quarter profits rose from 26% to $1.23 billion, which is £742 million, as it delivered more commercial aircraft. But shares in the US aerospace giant fell in early trading after it said that future revenues and profits would be lower than analysts had forecast. Boeing's revenue for the three months rose 7% to $23.79 billion, the company said. And the company said that it expected to deliver 715 to aircraft to 725 aircraft this year. Uh, which would be an increase uh, of at least 10% uh, over last year. So aircraft are still uh, being purchased by um, Boeing, after, by, even after uh, all these... Uh, uh, even after the problems with the Dreamliner, Dreamliner yes. Yeah. So that's good news for Boeing. Um, obviously, uh, I, don't, I don't think the uh, Dreamliner issues are, are helping much, but uh, they do have a, a popular aircraft with the 737 um, yes. and yeah. also the 777 as well. Yeah. Um, both of which, um, both of which are, are flown in, and, and they are a fantastic aircraft, really. Yeah. So next piece of news then from Airbus, uh, 
you may probably know about the Airbus A350, um, which is currently being test flown and having te- various tests done on. Airbus are considering uh, stretching the A350-800. Um, uh, they're uh, considering stretching it as part of the strategy to counter the Boeing 787 in the 250-300 to 300 seat sector. The 800 series A350 is currently pitched as a 276-seater airframe, but the manufacturer is exploring the possibility of enlarging the twin jet um, the shrunk version of its baseline A350-900. Airbus has not logged any sales for the 800 uh, since 2009 and it has been encouraging customers for the type to convert to the 900 series. The 800 series is designed to compete against the 787-900 but at just over 60 metres, which is 197 feet, is more than three metres shorter than the Airbus A330-300, the aircraft it's intended to succeed. Airbus Chief Operating Officer for Customers, John say insists that the lack of sales for the 800 is due to the companies opting to extract higher value for initial slots by using them to deliver larger aircraft, including the 900 and 1000 series. He says he would like to deliver the 800 after the 1000 series and the 800 has been scheduled for service entry in 2016, a year earlier than the 1000. (coughs) But the conversion of the 800, customers to other types, could effectively result in initial deliveries for the 800 being put back until after early entry service to the larger jet. So, stretching the 350, it'll be good to see when this aircraft finally... uh, flies when it's Simon to yes. see what it's like yes uh, I've flown on uh, one or two uh, Airbus uh, stretchers the, um, I can't remember which one it is it's, uh, Virgin Atlantic use it as the uh, stretch um, Airbus um, I can't remember but it's the 600 version um, which is stretched and oh the 340 yes yeah, yeah the yeah, A340 yeah yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and uh, it is extra long and um, extra passengers obviously and it is uh, a nice aircraft, but um, if that's the way to go, as long as it's safe, um, but when you see them stretch, they do look quite uh, unusual and uh, in shape. Yeah, that, uh, like I said, it's due to come on into service in 2016, so it's got a few more years yeah, of testing. Uh, testing to be done, yeah. but that'll be good to see that one when that comes on. Again, uh, another bit of news um, from the Airbus website um, about the A350XWB. MSN3 has commenced uh, cold weather testing in Iqualit. Is that how you say, you say that one, Simon? I would imagine. I- Iqualit, Canada. This is in Canada. The Airbus A350XWB MSN3 development aircraft with a team of 48 Airbus specialists have arrived at Iqualit, Canada, for several days of cold water weather trials. The various tests for the aircraft... Um, for its engines and systems include a cold soak down to minus double digit figures and the scope of the trials include APU and engine starts after a cold soak and a verification of system behavior load speed tack or load speed taxi and rejected takeoffs um, and thrust reverser tests with the snow this latest phase of the development test program comes only days after MS3 completion of the hot and high tests in Bolivia since the A350XWB's first flight with MSN1 on June the 14th, 2013, over 890 flight test hours have been performed in close to 200 flight tests by both MSN1 and MSN3. 
In total, the X3, uh, the A350XWB flight test campaign will accumulate around two and a half thousand flight hours with the fleet of five aircraft. The rigorous flight testing will lead to the certification of the A350-900 by the European, ESA and US FAA airworthiness authorities prior to its entry into service in the later half of 2014. Yeah, yeah the, um, this is one of the uh, testing uh, things they have to do on all aircraft. They go from one extreme to the other. They do crosswind landings, ice cold weathers, uh, cold starts, uh, wet starts, everything putting it through rain, dry conditions, wind, everything, just to make sure that the aircraft is totally um, acceptable and passes all its uh, flight testing, which um, I'd like to be on the uh, cold weather uh, area as they test it, because it must be quite uh, interesting. Mm. I um, I just think, and going back to the um, the Dreamliner, this uh, A350, I think, is. Um, I mean, I'm a I'm a Boeing person. I do love my Boeing aircraft. Um, I I, I, you know, I like Airbus as well, but I am a Boeing person. But I do I do think that the A350 is going to do. I just feel it's going to do better than the Dreamliner. Yes, because um, yes, there's um, there's just something wrong with that battery, and it's still happening uh, as we speak. Uh, there's been some more problems over the last few days. So um, it's not going away, and it's uh, it's going to affect uh, Boeing uh, against Airbus. So they are the two um, main uh, builder of aircraft, and uh, they are at competition with each other. So um, I think uh, Airbus is getting the upper hand now on Boeing. Yes, we'll have to see see when the A three fifty XWB comes into full service. <clears throat> we'll just have to see how it uh, how it performs. So next piece of news then. Uh, this one is from foxnews.com. This is on their website. Uh, some of you guys may have seen this one uh, on the internet and on the news. This one is uh, about Boeing uh, unveiling its Seattle Hawks 747 plane. The um, Boeing has uh, unveiled its uh, 747 freighter with the team logo and the number 12 on the tail to salute the fans of the Seattle Seahawks. The plane rolled out of the hangar on Wednesday at Payne Field in Everett and it flew to Boeing's field in Seattle on Thursday for a brief stop and then took off to fly uh, a 12 pattern over eastern Washington. The freighter, which is owned by Boeing, uh, is used for flight testing. And Boeing, who have partnered with the Seahawks on a program in the Puget Sound area, and uh, they're displaying the 747 as a tribute to the team's success as it heads into the Super Bowl. You've seen this one, Simon, haven't you? The um, aircraft, you've got the picture there. Yes, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite a, a smart logo, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, it is, yeah. Fairly plain, but it's a, it's a good advertisement, a good um, you know, bit of uh, showmanship there from Boeing. Yes, and um, it, it, it uh, does take a little bit of time to get all these uh, liveries and uh, things. It's a full, uh, full, uh, intense spray spray job in the paint shop. So uh, it's not just an overnight thing. It's uh, quite a few days to get that all prepared and uh, sprayed to the uh, colours that they want it. So those guys and listeners and girls and listeners and everyone out there across the pond, keep your eyes up in the sky. You'll uh, you may see this one flying over at some point uh, with that logo on the side. Next piece of news then from USA Today is uh, regarding the Airbus A380 Super Jumbo. Um, for those of you who didn't know, that uh, India uh, had banned initially the uh, A380 flying um, to its airports in New Delhi, Mumbai. 
um, because uh, they are afraid that the uh, airlines using the A380 out of India would take away all the uh, passengers from other airlines. So the news uh, is that uh, India have lifted the ban on the A380, um, allowing the world's largest passenger jet uh, into New Delhi and Mumbai and two other cities equipped to handle the aircraft. Despite ever-growing passenger numbers, India restricted the A380 flights in 2008 in an effort to help struggling domestic character, uh, carriers hope, uh, cope with global competition. Uh, Aviation Minister Ajit Singh said that lifting the restrictions would help bring more revenue to airports and boost India's international reputation as a flight destination. The ministry said that the Sing- uh, Singapore Airlines, Emirates and Lufthansa have expressed interest in flying the 380s into India. Only airports in Delhi, Mumbai, Hyderabad and Bangalore can accommodate the double-decker planes, which, it, uh, which can see up to 850 passengers. This is good news for Indian airports and the Indian flying public, said Kiran Rayo, Executive Vice President of Strategy and Marketing for Airbus, in a statement. So that's good, that, isn't it? That's good news for, yes. um, for people wishing to fly to India. Yes, and uh, hopefully there'll be some other uh, airlines that can get in there with their A380s. Yeah, there are, they're becoming quite a popular aircraft now for quite yeah. a few airlines. Yes. I've still yet to see the uh, British Airways 380 fly over, though, Simon. I haven't, um, haven't I've, been, I've, uh, been, I've been looking up, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> yes, I've uh, had um, some nice, uh, memorable uh, time with that um, at uh, the air show at Riyadh uh, last year with the Red Arrows, as I said before in one of previous podcasts. Uh, that was spectacular. Actually uh, forming up over um, Dover, White Cliffs of Dover, doing the fly past, and then uh, Red Arrows uh, coming up behind, and... Uh, and uh, heading towards uh, Riyadh and doing a display. I've done one or two other fly pass with the Red Arrows um, and the A380 together over um, over the side. So that was uh, really interesting. Yeah, hopefully I might get a, ch- a chance to see it this year, yes. perhaps, if it's you, not busy. You've been on it at um, Farnborough as well. Yes. And you've flown it. Um, yes. I've seen it. <laughs> so, so there's a little well, bit of a contrast there. Well, ho- hopefully at Farnborough this year, Simon, they'll have the 380 again there and um, I'll be able to take you on board. That yes, one again. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll that. enjoy that very much. And mm. then uh, after that, uh, there's only one thing left to do. Uh, and you know what that is? That's to fly, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you not be- literally, though. You better start saving those pennies, Simon. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. So the next piece of news moving on is from Aviation Week. Uh, this one um, is regarding the re-engineing of the Airbus A330, uh, which could take two to three years. Uh, I mean, Boeing have uh, re-engined, um, uh, got a re-engine option on, on some of their aircraft, but Airbus um, have uh, had the A320neo new engine option um, for some time in the books. But Airbus uh, have been lukewarm about re-engineing the A330 um, along the lines of the A320neo, even though many industry pundits have believed such a step has merit. Now some high-level sources are saying the decision to proceed could be imminent. With a total of 1,313 firm orders until the end of 2013, the A330 is by far the most successful wide-body airliner that Airbus has ever built. That figure compares to 816 for the A300 and A310 family and 812 for the A350 uh, family and 377 for the A340 and 304 units for the A380. And even after Boeing launched the competing 787, the A330 continues to have a remarkable market success. 
Airbus sold 534 A330s during the past five years, and most were the larger uh, 330-300 series. So that's good. That's good news, though, for for um, airlines who currently have the 330 and wish to um, to to you know to change to a new engine option. Yes, <coughs> for yeah. for leaner burning, you know, for um, cleaner yeah. and greener engines. Yes, uh, that is pretty good. And uh, I didn't uh, realise this is uh, that common, but Obviously, they must have to do some research and testing into this. Uh, the modifications must be uh, fairly uh, small to have a new engine put on the uh, wing, hopefully. Yeah, this could lead to other a- aircraft being re-engined as well, um, uh, possibly the 380, but uh, as such a new aircraft, I wouldn't have thought they'd uh, re-engine the 380 sort of quite yet, really. Yes. But it depends how, because engine technology is coming on in leaps and bounds. Um, engine manufacturers are making a lot cleaner, a lot greener, and yes. uh, a lot uh, leaner burning engines. Yes, um, and I uh, would imagine uh, uh, having these uh, leaner, greener engines uh, put onto the aircraft and modified does help uh, them uh, reimburse the money that they've uh, outlaid for this. So. Yeah, they're saying that the new engine option for the 330 could uh, lead could lead to a seven to eight percent fuel burn improvement, which is it doesn't sound like a lot percentage wise, but to an airline that has a large fleet of 330s, yes, that, that's, uh, that's, that money soon mounts up. That is a significant saving in uh, in costs of fuel because fuel doesn't get any cheaper. No, um, it doesn't. Not even for us who drive cars. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, it's good news because hopefully you'd think that uh, if airlines are not spending so much on fuel, they'll uh, give us cheaper flights on. Yes, yeah, that yeah. would be good. So that's the last piece of news then we've got uh, for this week. And uh, we're going to come back with you with some more uh, military news and airshow news after this. So with his military aviation and air show news, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. Thanks, uh, Carlos. Um, uh, first bit of uh, news, it's a sad piece of news uh, regarding uh, the death of uh, Sean Cunningham. Uh, this is the inquest, uh, which has been going on a little while since uh, 2011. Um, the coroner has uh, described part of an ejection seat that saw the Red Arrows pilot being through to his death as entirely useless flight. Lieutenant Sean Cunningham was killed at RAF Scampton, Lincolnshire, after being accidentally ejected from his T1 Hawk. The inquest heard that the, he was ejected because of a problem with the ejection seat firing handle. Um, obviously, uh, this is quite uh, sad um, because I actually met him um, when he'd done the cycle ride from uh, Wales to Lowestoft, 400 miles in four days. So, um, uh, it's regarding uh, the ejection uh, seat mechanism um, the uh, coroner also criticised the RAF and the seat manufacturing following the three week inquest um, and uh, the inquest has heard that the ejection seat firing handle is left in an unsafe position which meant it could accidentally activate the seat which uh, obviously looks as though it was what's happened uh, um, to it and so they've got to make improvements to this and uh, it was a uh, uh, testing of the Mark 10 Martin Baker seat showed that the safety pin could be inserted even if when the seat uh, was in an unsafe position given the impression the seat was safe uh, so it's quite uh, sad um, 
he uh, unfortunately lost his life and uh, I did have the pleasure of meeting him when he came to Lowestoft on that cycling um, so it's uh, quite sad isn't it yeah that is that is to lose to lose a pilot like that um, and obviously he was on the ground it could have happened to any one of the pilots and uh, just got to make sure that um, this doesn't happen again um, uh, obviously the parachute didn't deploy and so there was a big problem there which is um, a very very sad uh, thing so uh, they've uh, now made mo- um, modifications to this and uh, Martin Baker knew the parachute mechanism could jam if the nut and bolt were too tight as earlier as January 1990 the inquest was told um, and there's been various failures on this ejection seat, um, which has been going on an ongoing problem. Um, but um, hopefully, uh, it will. Now this case has um, uh, happened, it should uh, bring this all to a close now um, and uh, conclusion. Uh, but obviously, the, his father um, did say in a statement uh, that it was um, preventable. Um, and shouldn't have happened, uh, which is very, uh, very sad uh, to know, isn't it? Yeah. Right, the next bit of news, this is uh, regarding the Red Arrows again. Um, this happened uh, in 2011. Um, flight lead, team leader Ben Murphy and Kirsty Stewart, um, Kirsty Moore, um, were uh, pilots in the Red Arrows, and he was obviously the team leader, and Kirsty was the first... Um, female pilot and they denied that they were um, together um, during the flying season and there was an investigation into this and uh, rumours emerged about their relationship um, but when they were interviewed they denied this was uh, happening and uh, Kirsty said that she'd left um, because of the loss of uh, two of her close friends which was uh, Flight um, Lieutenant uh, John Egging and Sean Cunningham um, but it's now uh, been announced uh, after this that they are getting married. So uh, that is a bit of a bit of a, um, a funny story, really, isn't it? Um, for them to deny it, and um, during their flying career with the Red Arrows, and then um, announce in the last week that they're now uh, getting uh, married is sort of um, must have. Um, been very annoying and upsetting for the RAF uh, personnel mm. um, who uh, tried this uh, to sort this inquiry out. You know, I'd imagine if you if you join the RAF Red Arrows, you've got to be <coughs> quite um, quite uh, sort of a, a very um, crisp and clear commanding sort of nature. Yes. You can't sort of be um, going out on the uh, on the beer every every weekend. No, and, uh, no. and you can't have. Uh, although the team has a relationship. Um, they all have a relationship together, but having a, a lady and a and the squadron leader um, in a relationship during a, a thing a float sort of season is um, not very professional. But on the other hand, they've um, now got, got married, so I'm happy for them. But it's just that um, for them to deny it, um, and then as I said. Uh, now announced they're getting married. There must have been some truth in it um, back then, and they have actually sort of uh, upset uh, one or two uh, sort of top people in the RAF, um, which is a shame. Um, but uh, it's one of them things, and uh, they're both out of the uh, um, Red Arrows now. Ben Murphy is working for Lockheed Martin, and Kirsty Moore, I think, is still with the RAF in another uh, field. So, yeah. 
that is uh, <coughs> a shame that it's had to uh, come on the uh, 50th anniversary, really, because mm. um, this is an important year for the Red Arrows. So, yeah. Now, um, as we uh, head into the air show season, uh, on a lighter note, um, now into the uh, one or two air shows that have uh, started to get a build-up of aircraft uh, that are participating, and it can conf- the um, uh, with uh, RAF Waddington's uh, website at the moment, and looking on their website, they've obviously uh, the Red Arrows are confirmed uh, to fly there because um, they're only based just up the road at RAF Scampton. Um, the Spanish Air Force have uh, having uh, aircraft as well. Now they've uh, got a helicopter display team this year, and no, they do have a aircraft display team as well. So Petrula Aspa Times Five EC One Twenty Calibra Spanish. Air Force helicopter display team, so that should uh, be interesting. I've had a look on their website, and we've just been looking at the pictures earlier, and they're quite impressive, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Very, um, very <coughs> nice, brightly coloured um, aircraft, they are. Yes, well, with the uh, Spanish uh, logo uh, on, the uh, Spanish colours of obviously red and yellow. And um, of uh, previous year, I've seen the uh, um, uh, Helicopter air, air display teams from other countries, and uh, it's quite impressive to watch. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that team, that team, the actual um, Spanish Air Force helicopter acrobatic display team were, were actually only formed on September the twenty third, two thousand three, at the Armilla Air Base. Yes, um, and their debut was at the Portugal Air Show in two thousand five. Yeah, so well, they haven't been going that long, um, but this is their UK debut, so uh, that should should be something to look forward to. I've got to say, Simon, I I, I can probably count the amount of times I've seen a helicopter display team on one hand. They're not really. Yeah, I I mean, I've been to quite a few air shows, but I've I've never seen a large amount of helicopter displays. Although they did um, at uh, Farnborough in two thousand twelve, they had the um, the AH-61 yes. uh, Apache um, two of those doing a display there but I've never actually seen a, um, a an actual sort of uh, helicopter display team yes. like so you could attribute it to sort of a, a kind of um, red arrows of the helicopter world yes, kind yes. of thing <clears throat> yes and uh, getting uh, keep it on this subject I've been uh, to Mildenhall uh, Air Fate years back and uh, they're uh, helicopter display teams were quite popular. They used to have the Netherlands Air Force um, team, which were the Grasshoppers, and uh, they were in a, a lovely little helicopter. I can't remember what it's actually called. And also, we had the Sharks, which was the uh, RAF, and they had the little black shark on the tail. And um, also, the re- rest of the uh, Gazelle helicopter was red um, with a little bit of uh, white on, and that was quite spectacular. Now, I do think, correct me if I'm wrong, and email me. Or email us uh, if you think uh, that I'm wrong, but um, that was a uh, st- the start of another helicopter display team, which is the Blue Eagles, um, uh, which uh, used to come at Seething many years ago. Um, so that was quite interesting uh, to watch as well. And uh, I always enjoy the uh, helicopter displays, although I'm not a keen fan of the helicopter and travelling in a helicopter because of the problems at the moment, but... They are quite popular, and uh, Apaches seem to be uh, quite popular in the air show display circuit um, in recent years. Yeah, the Blue Eagles are uh, by the Army Air Corps. Yes, that's right, yes. They've got nine officers, and um, they're based at Hampshire in England, at Wallop, Middle Wallop. Yes, they are. 
um, and they've been going <coughs> since 1968. Yeah, so I would imagine uh, that actually um, does um, tie in with uh, what I was saying about the uh, uh, helicopters and the sharks, um, was probably what they were called uh, in previous years. And they've flown the uh, Westland <coughs> Scout, the Sade Aviation Alouette, oh. The Westland Apache, the Westland Lynx, and they've got four, uh, which they fly now, the four Aerospatial Gazelles. Yes, so yeah, the, yeah that is um, most probably uh, does tie in with everything uh, that I'd said earlier, so yeah. Have you heard about the Black Cats? Yes. Uh, yes. I just thought I'd ask you that yes, one. Yes, they're um, from Yeovilton. Uh, they do normally fly um, a two aircraft. Uh, last year, I think, I believe it was a one. They may be back to a two aircraft, um, but if you look at their uh, website, They've got some uh, fantastic uh, pictures, and their aircraft is... Have you seen the uh, yeah. so, uh, livery on it? I've seen, yeah. That, that is quite a striking uh, uh, sort of a black... Well, black cat. Yeah. Because um, this, 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 uh, this is just sort of coming to my head while Simon's been talking about this, because um, having an, uh, an uncle who served in the Royal Navy, um, I can remember um, seeing... <laughs> Well, sort of hearing about the Black Cats, the uh, Royal Naval Display Team, but they fly they fly the Westland Lynx. They do, and uh, they I think they dropped down at one aircraft because they're upgrading the Lynx uh, to a modern uh, version uh, in the next year or so. Um, but their display is quite spectacular. I've seen it quite a lot of times at Duxford and uh, Riat and Waddington. And if you watch the Lynx, it's one of the only aircraft in the uh, world. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, there may be one or two others, but it can do a complete loop. And uh, have you seen that? No, I haven't, no. It's um, quite spectacular. It's on YouTube, but if you get one of any air shows, watch the Lynx display team, um, Black Cats. They are spectacular. And um, when you see the uh, aircraft, uh, what he'll do, he'll go into the hover mode, and then he'll just drop the power, and the aircraft will just float, and it'll just flip right over and do a 360. It's absolutely spectacular. And you can hear the pressure on the rotor blades as it does it. It is really spectacular, so mm. something worth uh, watching. <laughs> and uh, I guarantee we'll see it uh, sometime at some air show uh, this year, so that should be good. Good, good. <clears throat> anyway, uh, carrying on with the uh, RIA, uh, not RIA, uh, RAF Waddington, uh, they also confirmed the Swiss Air Force F. 18C stroke D Hornet, and that is uh, TBC to be confirmed. But that is uh, one of the uh, possible aircraft that should be uh, flying. So um, something else to look forward to uh, is uh, just a few of the aircraft at the moment. But obviously, us updating uh, on a regular basis now. So <clears throat> yeah. So um, on to uh, Riat, and uh, I'm going to give you uh, the confirmed aircraft for the uh, Riat Air Show um, as of. Uh, today the 1st of February right um, so far we have Algeria they've got the C-130 Hercules which is a second tactical uh, transport and logistics wing uh, that is static um, being one of the aircraft at the show but obviously if you're there previous days you can see it fly in and just just button in it. Simon if I can yes to ask you a question <laughs> something I've, I've just been thinking about I'm just just wondering how, because uh, obviously uh, the first my first time at Farnborough was in 2012. Yes, and the actual air show site at Farnborough is huge. It, yeah, you know, it, ta- it you, by the end of end of the day, your legs are, legs are aching. Yes, how how big is the site at uh, Ria? How, um, how big is the the area? Is there a large sort of display is, of static it, aircraft? Uh, it is quite um, 
quite a big area and uh, one thing that I've learned over the past years is to get a little um, lanyard and you can get a little map layout oh, right, of yeah. the area yeah. and each area is done into different colour zones and also there's the airshow bus which goes round the uh, whole of the site of the airshow uh, site. So you haven't got a walk? So, <laughs> which is good. I've never yeah. used it before because um, I've always had the children and wife with me but if you care to use that you can hop on the bus at certain points in different colour zones and then you can get to another point because it's such a vast area and as you said at the end of the day your feet are aching mm. it, it's you don't care about the, your feet aching until the end of the day when you've just about worn out and uh, <laughs> aircrafted out <laughs> yeah but um when you're there at the air show you're just enjoying the uh, moment of the time and taking in all the aircraft but that is good thing about they have the show buses and you can actually get them so is there is there quite a large static display of aircraft <coughs> yes there is Rio? yes there no, always is um yeah you've got numerous aircraft like last year obviously you had the vc10 but that's not going to be there this year you've got the voyager the tri stars and they do special fly pass which are always spectacular so there is if you uh, look on their website, you can normally uh, get a good idea of um, uh, sort of what is actually going to be there. And um, <clears throat> uh, it is really spectacular. And there's plenty of, obviously, uh, things to do for the children. And uh, you've got themes uh, for each year. Obviously, 2014 is the uh, 50th anniversary of the Red Arrows, as I keep saying. And you've got new Friday opening uh, this year, um, which is a pit day, which is what we've got. Um, we've actually purchased the tickets uh, for that. We've just got accommodation to sort out and transport. But uh, I'm uh, really excited about that because uh, that will be something different. I haven't done um, going to Riyadh um, with you. Yeah. Um, and we're there on the day before the air show, um, which is good. And we're going to have the Red Arrow uh, pits. And we're going to be able to see a lot of the... Uh, approaching aircraft uh, that'll be displaying and uh, static arriving uh, the day beforehand so that we're going to ha- have quite a busy Def- day we're definitely going to have to oh, i'm definitely going to have to make sure that my uh, memory card <coughs> and my digital camera is um, empty yes. ready for that day yes uh, and also lots of charged batteries yes yeah <laughs> yeah now if i um uh show you the uh aircraft that has uh, from previous years that have been uh, looking on the site here you can see uh, you've got quite a good uh, selection uh, the Royal Jordanian Falcons uh, the Globemaster uh, the US Air Force uh, B-52 um, now there weren't many uh, I don't think the US were there last year in t- uh, 2013 because of the cutbacks um, but the previous year they had the A-10 Thunderbolt and I had the pleasure in talking to the captain or uh, the pilot and they did have a problem one day, so we had to cut short his um, display. But that's an aircraft worth uh, looking at and uh, watching, uh, which that, that unfortunately is uh, coming to an end um, of its life uh, soon. I think they're going to retire them soon. Another um, fab, fab display team, um, which uh, I really enjoy, <laughs> um, was the uh, Black Arrows. Uh, is it the Black Arrows or the... Uh, I can't remember on that... Uh, but they were at um, Riyadh a few years back. There's the Black Eagles, sorry. The Black Eagles, um, and I've seen them display twice now. And that is a spectacular um, display team to watch, although uh, uh, nothing uh, like the Red Arrows. <laughs> I, don't think I've, I don't think I've seen them before myself. Yeah. I definitely haven't seen them before. Have you uh, seen the Freeze Tricolori, uh, which um, is the Italian team? Uh, yes, I've <laughs> seen them. Um, 
where did I see? I can't remember where I saw them though. I have seen them, yes. Yeah, they're quite a um, uh, spectacular uh, to watch, and uh, I always love the uh, Royal Netherlands Air Force F sixteen, the orange one. Uh, that was uh, quite spectacular to watch. And the um, Royal Netherlands Air Force have got an Apache as well. Yes, and um, I have got pictures of that. We will put them up on my, uh, oh, my, I say my, our website um, later and uh, show you the Apache flying with the F-16 Wow! Uh, together. And uh, he's having, str- he's, the helicopter is full speed and the F-16, he's struggling to keep it um, uh, slowed right down to, uh, with the helicopter, but it's quite spectacular and uh, enjoyable to watch. So yeah, I'll put some of those pictures up um, at a later date. Um, the final thing is the Dam Busters um, of uh, uh, 617 Squadron have completed their final mission, which is um, uh, the, w- with the tornado, which is uh, unfortunately uh, ju- uh, drawing to a close. And um, its last uh, exercise and uh, was um, in Afghanistan, uh, which is... Uh, so just a few days ago, and um, it'll be temporarily disbanded uh, for a little while until 2016, when the new Lightning II um, comes into action. So the, that should be uh, <clears throat> something um, that I look forward to seeing uh, the new aircraft. So, uh, um, but uh, obviously, as I said, the uh, squadron is disbanding. It has been going uh, for quite a while. And uh, as I said, the F-35B Lightning II Joint Strike Fighter will be coming back. Um, I say coming back. Will be coming into the UK, and they've made a few test flights on the uh, UK ones, um, which were on the new uh, aircraft carrier. So uh, that's uh, something to look forward to. Um, I think everyone knows about the Dam Busters. Yes, yes, yes. Um, It's such a um, such a, a lovely uh, squadron and uh, I'm glad they're carrying it on when the uh, new uh, Joint Strike Fighter um, a- appears in the UK under a different guise so excellent so this year obviously as we've we've said in a few um, episodes before and every episode we would normally um, we are me and Simon are going to try and get to as many air shows as we can this year and uh, hopefully do some uh, outside uh, Recording, get some interviews with some pilots. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely going to get, uh, hopefully, get some of that and add those to the show. Uh, we were hoping to have the guest on the show today, but um, unfortunately, uh, our guest uh, is uh, slightly ill, um, so he he won't be with us to, uh, on the episode today. But fingers crossed, we'll uh, we'll get him on the show um, very soon. Um, as a guest, and hopefully we're going to try and get some more get or get some oh, some more guests or some first guests on the show um, over the course of the next few months. Um, I think our first air show this year is going to be uh, Duxford. Yes, it is. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah I think. May time, which is uh, that's a special one. I think. I think is it Dux- that's a special one at Duxford. I yes. think it was. <clears throat> yeah, um, they have a few air shows uh, throughout the uh, season. Um, normally get. Uh, some in uh, you get the first one, which is normally the start of the air show season, um, which is in May time. Then they have a July one, and then I think there's one in September. Um, but yeah, there's um, normally a good selection of aircraft to uh, see at Duxford. I always uh, love that, and uh, it is uh, well worth the visit. So yeah, so 
Right, so uh, we're going to end that piece of news segment then, and we're going to come back with some more bits and pieces of the show after this. So we're going to do a new segment part of the show then. Uh, we're going to call this this segment the weekly focus segment. And each week uh, we're going to give you um, four particular aircraft. Um, one week we'll do military, another week we'll do uh, civilian and commercial aircraft. And we're going to ask our listeners to uh, vote or to choose uh, their particular uh, favourite aircraft off the list. And then we'll do a weekly focus on that aircraft and give you some information, facts and bits and pieces on that particular aircraft. So for our first week then this week, uh, we're going to give you the choices. We'll put them on Facebook as well. And you can uh, leave us uh, your choices via Facebook or you can email us as well um, your choice of aircraft which you want us to focus on in episode 11. So this week's uh, four aircraft... Um, we're going to start um, with number one, which is the Boeing 757. Number two, the Airbus A320. Number three, the Boeing 737-800. And number four, the Airbus A321. So leave us a message on Facebook or uh, post us uh, an email via the website. Tell us uh, which one out of those four you want us to focus on. We'll tally up the results before the show episode 11 and uh, we'll do our weekly focus on that particular aircraft and bring you some bits and pieces of uh, interesting information on the aircraft so that's the 757 the a320 the 737 800 and the a321 we'll put them on facebook like i said choose what you want to uh, want us to talk about and me and simon will put together a little uh, a bit of information on that aircraft yes uh, we'll do um uh, civil one uh, one week, and then we'll do a military uh, one the following week. Uh, yes. So uh, we'll let Simon we'll let Simon choose uh, which four aircraft uh, yeah. uh, he wants um, to do. For so that we'll one. try and get through as many aircraft as we possibly can. I've got a few um, aircraft route down here that will be coming up uh, in uh, future um, spotlights of the week. Uh, the Blackbird SR seventy one A, which is one of my favourite aircraft. We've got the Concorde. Um, the Red Arrows, Harrier, GR9, the Jaguar, F-35 Raptor Tornado, GR4, P-51 Mustang, the Lancaster, BBMF and the Spitfire. That's just a few off the top of my head, but there's a good selection in there um, for the previous ones. So keep your eyes open on the Facebook uh, page then if you want to hear that list again. We'll post that list on there. And like I said, just uh, put your favourite one down. Just uh, just leave us a comment. Tell us what you want to focus on in episode 11. And uh, we'll add that new segment to the show. Hopefully on episode 11 we uh, will try and get a guest on board. Um, it's, it's really hard. I can see uh, um, how hard it is to try and get uh, people on, especially when they're um, in different time zones to where we are in the UK. Um, but uh, we'll try that for the next episode. And uh, that's about all we've got time for this week, I think, Simon, isn't it? We're- yes. We've got, uh, me and Simon have got a, a dinner date with the, the local calf. For, uh, Bung, bungie calf. Bungie calf, yes. <laughs> for for a, a, would it be a late breakfast or an early brunch. lunch? A brunch. That's it, a brunch. So thanks for listening then, uh, everyone. Um, it's been a pleasure producing the uh, podcast for you again this week. 
and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook uh, at Plain Talking. Um, if you just type in on Facebook Plain Talking UK podcast, you'll find us on Facebook. Do like us on there if you if you could please. That'd be great. And also don't forget to go to our website www.plaintalking.com. That's plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. And you can click on the Contact Us tab on there and send us an email via the website as well. And also, uh, we are now on Twitter. So you can follow us on Twitter and we can, uh, well, we can, we can leave tweets on there and pictures and, and bits and pieces, just like Facebook. So you can find us on Twitter at Plain Talking UK. Just uh, search for us on there and follow us that'd be yeah. nice one at Simon yes well and uh, obviously uh, air show time if we uh, use the Twitter um, which I'm sure we will be it will be more active uh, during air show times yeah. and uh, we can uh, get up up um, upgrades and uh, tell you updates and tweets uh, from various pilots and aircraft uh, throughout uh, each uh, air display and air show uh, that we go to yeah look forward to that one So, from me and Simon then and the Kitchen Studio, that's episode number 10 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. We're going to say goodbye for now, but uh, we'll be back soon with episode number 11. And uh, have you enjoyed yourself, Simon? Yeah, it's been uh, a long one, but um, uh, as we uh, get into the air show season, it's getting more exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) The suspense, as we build towards it, um, aircraft um, being added to each of the air show display lists and... uh, more aircraft appearing, uh, and um, yeah, our so. wife, our wives are getting excited because they won't have to. Stay, they will have lots of weekends free to go and shop and and stuff because we won't be here. Yeah, we'll, we'll be away. We'll be we'll be in dreamland. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be in dreamland. Um, not not the dreamliner. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> so from me and Simon, then thanks for listening, and uh, we'll. See speak to you all again soon so from me carlos it's a big goodbye yeah and uh it's a big goodbye for me as well and you all uh, take care and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon yep take care goodbye then